This is episode 108 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are What You Need to Know About Prepper Physical Fitness and Planning for Success During and After the SHTF. And because today is Wednesday, we do have an interview for you. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, uh, taking a cue from Sarge over at American Preppers Online, I grabbed a cup of coffee. It's really late. I shouldn't be drinking coffee, but uh, it's really late. I'm really tired. We had the, uh, well, first of all, a long day at the office, right? And uh, then did the webinar with Paul Munson, uh, son of an international today, uh, or this evening. Uh, great webinar. I mean, you learn a lot. I mean, uh, you're, it's very surprising what the son of an can do. Uh, I'll talk about that in a little bit here. But um, just, you know, just long night. So bear with me as, uh, as I uh, go along. I, I do want to uh, give just a, a shout out to, to Greco Dog out there for leaving another uh, interview or another review over at iTunes. I uh, really appreciate that. Um, he said, I've listened to every episode of this podcast and it always gives me some sort of useful information. It also seems like the host, Todd, does this more out of the desire to help people instead of being ego or monetarily motivated. Great resource and well done. Well, again, like I said, thank you, Greco Dog. Uh, you know, I, I do. I do desire to get that information out there. I think that's part of the mission of Prepper Website and want to continue that on with PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Now, I will say I am not, uh, you know, down on earning any kind of money. I just, you know, haven't got to the point where I feel I want to start, you know, seeking sponsors or whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't know what that would look like, right? I mean, I don't know. If I want to do sponsors, I don't know if there's going to be ads or, or you know, I, I might not even do anything, you know. Uh, I might, you know, from time to time share out uh, different things and just kind of see where, where it goes, you know, kind of like this uh, this webinar with Sun Oven. So we'll, uh, we'll see how, where it goes and how it goes and uh, see, uh, you know, where it goes. But, I, I you know, I... I am hopefully at some point will earn a little bit of money uh, for doing it. Uh, you know that would be definitely a blessing uh, for me. All right, so uh, thanks again for doing that. Always appreciate the reviews. Uh, try to try to do good out there. I can't always make people happy. There's some people who uh, you know had a had a comment on the blog today or or on the the podcast website about uh, kind of shallow content and. Um, you know, just not going very, very deep. And uh, yeah, you're you're right when you when you're talking about uh, articles. I mean, you there are articles that go really, really deep, but then they would take the whole um, the whole podcast. I mean, I wouldn't be able to read three of them. Uh, and uh, there's not a lot of those type of articles out there in the preparedness community. I mean, you know, we're we're scanning a lot of articles every single day and uh, there's not those 10,000 20,000 word articles or something that would be a small uh you know study guide or pamphlet or or ebook you know for that matter but we try to find a good variety of information and get it out there and uh, one of the big things is at least i i mean i hopefully you you do this i i do this is when i hear something Regardless of where it's at, whether it's on the radio, on a podcast, I see it on an, in an article, or even if it pops up on Facebook or somewhere, and it's interesting to me, I go research. I go research it. I go look for more information. I try to you know look at the validity of what I just heard or read or saw, and try to uh, you know get that information for myself, not just relying on articles that are out there. So hopefully. Uh, this podcast, you know, it's not the the all, be all end all for you. Hopefully, it's uh, you know you're learning, you're you're thinking, you're critically thinking because sometimes articles are like man or 
you know things that are out there is like I don't know if that really applies to me. I don't know if that would apply to everyone. That's a blanket kind of thing that would apply to everyone. Maybe that's good for that person where they're at. I mean, you need to think through all those kinds of things. You know, you want to you want to be someone who's thinking and, and processing through those things. So um, hopefully you get that uh, from the from the podcast. So let's go ahead and get moving. On uh, our first article of the of the podcast, it comes to us from PlanAndPrepared.com. Uh, this article is called "What You Need to Know About Prepper Physical Fitness." Uh, I think it's relevant, very very relevant, and uh, I'll get to why uh, at the end of the article. All right, so let's get going on this one. When it comes to prepper equipment, the absolute most important tool every prepper owns is the one between their ears. However, that soft, squishy gray matter is very fragile and must be protected at all times. Fortunately, we have a self-propelled, self-repairing protective cover for our brain. Capable of great feats, our bodies are very adaptable to many different situations and environments. The bounds of human endurance have been pushed beyond measure. For example, the name Aaron Ralston may not be familiar with you, but I'm pretty sure his story is. The movie 127 Hours, starring James Franco, is based upon his story. Google the name Colin Armstrong of the SAS and read his and his team's story of endurance. It's an amazing story. The book Bravo 2-0 is based upon his story. It's a good read. Despite our body's ability to adapt and persevere in times of danger and turmoil, we must still take care of it. And unfortunately, that is something that so many preppers do not do. Too many of us lead a sedentary lifestyle. It has become so bad that according to the CDC, one out of three Americans are now considered obese. Not just overweight, but obese. It should go without saying that all the gear and supplies in the world won't be of much good if you are so out of shape and overweight that you cannot use them. So many preppers plan for a long-term grid-down scenario and do not realize just how hard and strenuous on their bodies it would be. At the beginning of this year, I took a part-time job as a mail carrier. There were days that I walked 16 to 18 miles in weather conditions that were less than ideal, cold, icy, and rain. I did this while carrying a mail sack that was probably 25 to 30 pounds. I'm here to tell you it was an eye-opening experience for me. I thought I was in okay shape, but I learned I have a ways to go. The first few days I came home completely exhausted and went straight to bed. My feet would be killing me. My arms and shoulders ached. But after a few days, my body was beginning to adapt, and I was happy that I was pushing myself physically. After a month or so, I had to quit, not because of the physical exertion, but because it was interfering with my full-time job and because there is a lot of micromanagement that I did not care for. In some ways, I hated leaving that job. I actually appreciated the way I had to push my body. And while I tried to stay physically active and in decent shape, I learned that is not the same thing as working a physically demanding job all day long. So if you think you are going to grab your bug out bag and take off on a on foot during SHTF event, think again. The same thing goes for suddenly having to live off-grid. Planting crops and chopping wood all day is hard work, even with modern tools and equipment. In a long-term grid-down situation, you may not have those luxuries. Intense physical labor is hard enough, but finding yourself fighting in a life-or-death situation is even harder. Combat is the most intense, rigorous thing that you put your body through. Whether it is a gunfight or hand-to-hand combat, the physical and mental stamina needed in so much is so much more than most people realize. Even in dangerous situations that are not Tiatwaki, being fit and in shape can and will save your life. Now, that is not to say that you need to be able to run marathons or be physically ready for the challenges of a SHTF scenario. The fact is, there are different types of physical fitness, and being fit is just one area will and just and being fit in just one area will most likely not be enough components of physical fitness cardiovascular endurance is the ability to take in and deliver oxygen to the working muscles to produce energy to sustain activity anaerobic power is the ability to make short intense bursts of maximal effort which underline the ability to run short distances and upstairs muscular strength refers to the muscles ability to generate maximal fo- force 
it is necessary for performance in control and resistant situations. Muscular endurance refers to the muscle's ability to sustain sub-maximal forces which is necessary for lifting, pushing, pulling, or carrying. Flexibility, the ability to use the available range of motion at a given joint or structure, is challenged in common tasks that, such as bending over as well as much less frequent ones, for instance, a foot pursuit. And body composition, the ratio of fat to lean tissue is associated with physical performance as well as health. Each of these can and will play a role in your survival during an SHTF event. There might be a time you have to make a quick retreat to a safer area. Other times you might have a long physically demanding job that requires muscular endurance more so than muscular strength. Chopping wood for example. So you should pay attention and work on each of these components. According to an article in the U.S. News & World Report, Americans spend around $60 billion a year on losing weight and getting in shape. That amount of money is staggering, but the fact is you can drop some weight and get yourself into better shape than you are now without spending a dime. In fact, you might save a little money. All it requires is just a few changes on your part and a bit of patience. You need to burn about 3,500 calories more than you take in to drop a pound of weight. So if you reduce your caloric intake by about 500 calories a day, you can drop a, about a pound a week. To give you a reference point, 500 calories is roughly equal to two slices of pepperoni pizza. So reducing 500 calories a day is actually easier than you might think. As I said, a few simple changes and you can easily cut the 500 calories without too much effort. For example, I get up 30 minutes early five to six days a week and take my dogs for a walk. We only walk for about 25 minutes or so, but that is usually a little over a mile for me and burns 120 to 150 calories or so. I also do this before I eat, with, which according to multiple studies will help me metabolize around 200 more calories throughout the day. I also do not eat anything after 7 p.m. Studies have found that people who snack after 7 p.m. usually add another 250 to 300 calories to their daily intake. And because the body does not need as much energy while it sleeps, the food is often stored as fat and not burned for energy. I would also recommend getting to bed a bit earlier. Multiple studies have shown that folks who sleep less than the recommended 7 or so hours a night tend to consume up to 300 more calories the next day. About 30 minutes before each meal, drink 12 to 16 ounces of water. Doing so will help you feel more full, and those who do typically consume around 150 to 200 calories less a day. For that matter, ditch sugary soda, sodas and stick with just water. A 12-ounce can of Coke has 140 calories and almost no nutritional value, so skip it. That goes for diet sodas too, which you can be just as bad, which can be just as bad for you if not worse. Studies have found that folks who drink diet soda actually consume 90 to 200 more calories a day than those who drink regular soda. Skip the elevator at work and take the stairs. Doing this several times a day can drop another 50 to 100 calories, depending upon how often you go up and down them. And finally, reduce the amount of sugary and salty snacks you eat. Notice I said reduce. An occasional donut or small bag of Cheetos is not going to kill you, and it can help reduce some cravings, but you have to cut back. Replace some of those snacks with things like apples or bananas. Most convenience stores now sell fresh fruit, so grab an apple as opposed to a blueberry muffin. By following several of these calorie reducing tips, you could easily drop 20 or more pounds in a year. You just have to stick with it. But, but along with diet, you need some exercise. If you have the money, a gym membership would certainly help, assuming you actually go. But money and or time might be a reason that makes going to the gym much more difficult. But that doesn't mean you can't do some little things to help improve your physical well-being. So for those of you who don't have the luxury of going to a gym and are also pressed for time, here are some hints and tips to help keep you, keep you your exercise in every day. I'm sure you have heard the adage about 30 minutes of exercise a day. That is absolutely true. Researchers recommend getting 150 minutes of moderate exercise in each week, 30 minutes a day, 5 days a week. However, this can change with a few different variables. For example, do you really do 30 minutes of exercise a day five to seven days a week? Or are you more of a hit and miss type of person? Are you trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle or are you trying to lose weight? 
Are you eating healthy a majority of the time? Or do you have cheat days more often than you want to admit? Do you walk for 30 minutes a day or are you actually working up a sweat? I know that life, work, family, etc. have a way of consuming all of your time and you might not think you have 30 minutes to spare, but in reality you can find 30 minutes a day and it does not have to be all at once. For me, I mentioned getting up 30 minutes early and taking my dogs for a walk. That early morning walk helps me, gives me energy and I find that I drink less coffee. Like I said, I also burn around 120 to 150 calories and my pooches love it. Yes, there are days that I miss, so when that happens, I do some of the following to try to make up for the difference. I sneak in a 15 to 20 minute workout on my lunch hour. Sometimes as easy as walking around the building can add up. I have always managed to find a coworker or two who want to join me to help themselves get fit as well. If you enjoy watching TV in the evenings, get up and exercise during the commercials. Walk in place, do jumping jacks, etc. Over the course of a 30 minute sitcom, you can get in 8 to 9 minutes of exercise. Buy a lightweight pair of dumbbells and incorporate them into your exercise. A University of Pittsburgh study concluded that swinging 1 to 3 pounds hand weights while walking or performing a similar exercise burns between 3% and 155% more calories than comparable exercise performed without hand weights. The result will depend on the size of the weights and how far you swing them in each strike. If you have high blood pressure, consult your doctor first. Try doing simple exercises while sitting at your desk. To give you some ideas of these exercises, click this link. Skip the elevator at work. If you work in a high rise, then take the stairs up and down for three or four floors and then take the elevator. I never use the elevator at work. When the need to use the bathroom hits me at work, I don't use the closest one. I walk up and down a flight of stairs to a bathroom further away then walk back. Instead of rushing to get to the parking spot closest to the entrance, park further away and walk. By this be, be this at work, the mall, the grocery store, etc. Those extra steps really add up and if possible, carry the grocery bags instead of using the shopping cart in the parking lot. Buy a pedometer is an easy way to keep track of how much exercise you do. This particular one, $15, also tracks your sleep and your caloric intake. All of these are important in tracking your fitness goals. Physical fitness and health are so easily overlooked by many preppers. But in reality, your physical and mental well-being is the reason you prep. As mentioned before, all the gear, equipment, and even skills will be of little use to you if you are too ill or out of shape to reasonably use them. Will the above tips and hints make you physically ready for the challenges of a serious SHTF event? By themselves, no. But being in better shape than you are now will certainly help you. Much more so than being overweight and out of shape. Even if you never find yourself in an SHTF event, being healthy and in shape will improve the quality of your life and will allow you to live longer. So in reality, this is the first prep you should undertake. If you have other prepping, prepper fitness training or health tips, please leave them in the comments section below. Stay, stay safe out there. All right, so um, I do believe this is very, very important. And, and I do believe that as, um, well... The healthcare issue in our country sucks so bad, and so many people do not have insurance like they used to have them. I think that we need to take better care of our bodies. Uh, you know, not that we you know, should have abused them before, but I think even more so now, being that it's so expensive, so many people don't have insurance. You know, you've heard me talk about you know herbs and essential oils and and, and natural medicine and all that kind of stuff. And I think being physically fit is part of it as well. Um, years ago, uh, man, I can't even remember how how long ago this is. Um, it was before I started teaching. Um, or before I started in education, so maybe about 15, 16 years ago, uh, one Father's Day, I hit the scale, and I was so big that it, it freaked me out. And uh, so I had had some friends that did the low-carb, and this was before the low-carb craze. Um, you know, when low, the low-carb craze hit, everybody was, uh, you could find all kinds of things, you know, you could find all kinds of candy, low-carb, and bread low carb i mean you could find everything but this was before that so i mean you you know it was pretty much i got the book the the dr atkins book and kind of went on it and and went from there and and started doing it and i lost 40 pounds and i'll be honest that uh, to about right now i have kept it off uh, off all but for about 10 pounds 
And uh, uh, I noticed, I mean, back then my wife and I ran a group home for kids. And, uh, you know, so we weren't very, I wasn't very active. But I would preach, and on Sundays after church, man, my knees would be killing me. My feet would be killing me just from being up and, uh, you know, that short amount of time. And so when I started losing weight, that's, that just kind of went away, you know. And um, so, um, you know, I, I, I know the importance of that. And so now I've tried recently doing low carb again because I'm just so used to that when I know that one. And it just kind of messed with my system, so uh, you know my digestive system. So I didn't want to continue on with that one, but uh, I started eating regular again, and just like, okay, I'm gonna try to be uh, better or whatever. And I just felt like crap. I mean, I felt better on low carb, but I did, uh, you know. And I tried the paleo. I I just couldn't. I couldn't get into paleo. Uh, it's not that much of a difference, but I just I don't know. I, I maybe it was a mental block. But I started eating regular food and, uh, you know, breads and stuff, and I just didn't feel good. It just didn't feel right. And um, so what I'm doing right now is I've been off of sodas for a long, long time. I mean, I drink I drink water, and I have a, I have a fake Yeti, one of the ones from Walmart. You know, they, they're just as good. I, I tested I tested it out with, with my good Yeti, or with my real Yeti. And uh, just as good, but uh, so FYI there, if you if you're looking for one of those, but I have one at work and I fill it up. I probably drink that sucker uh, three or four times. I fill it up and uh, and uh, just with cold water, and I drink that throughout the day. And of course, I'm running to the restroom left and right. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm drinking tons of water. Uh, I don't drink usually anything. The only time I drink maybe like tea is if we go out to eat, and uh, I drink coffee. And so that's it. But uh, lately, I've started getting off of the, the bread thing, and I've I've already noticed a difference. So it's probably about five days, maybe five six days. I've noticed a difference. It's hard uh, trying to stay off all bread, all you know. We even went to a Mexican restaurant. I love chips and salsa. I get you know just didn't eat any of that. Uh, tried to stay as disciplined as as possible on that. And uh, you know I I can tell you I do feel better, and I I am dropping weight. Uh, I got on the scale this morning. I was like, whoa, uh, I wasn't, you know, that was I, pretty dramatic uh, from, well, I mean, it's not dramatic, dramatic, but I mean, I'm saying it's just like, wow, uh, I wasn't expecting where I was at. And so uh, I'm going to continue doing this. Uh, I like a lot of the things that he says here, uh, not eating after seven. I've heard that for all my life, you know, uh, but, you know, that's kind of hard sometimes, especially when you live crazy lives uh, doing that. Uh, and like I said, I shouldn't be drinking coffee right now. Uh, I like all the little things that you can do, uh, ways of, of uh, you, you can be exercising uh, 30 minutes a day and just, you know, pick a couple of minutes here and there just as long as it all adds up. You know, with gym memberships, you know, gym memberships, unless you're so committed that you, you usually wind up signing up for a year or two years and then they're just, you know, taking money out of your account. Um if you want to, you know, you're looking into preparedness and self-defense, you might want to, you know, like a martial arts class, uh, some, you know, some class that'll get you, uh, uh, get you moving. Uh, that might be, you know, uh, something that you might want to consider if you have the time to be able to do that. But I think that being uh, healthy, uh, trying to be, um, eat right and make sure that you are losing weight and you are exercising. I think that's that's going to be a big part. I think that's important. And not just for the SHTF, but I just think for your overall, like you said, well-being. But um, as we move forward, I mean, the, the, the better you take care of your body, the healthier you are. And uh, the less you have to depend on the the junk that's out there, you know, the, the doctors and the medicine and, and all that kind of stuff. So running all that way. All right, so I've uh, gone really long on that one. That's uh, planandprepared.com. There are links there that you'll probably want to go check out, like uh, exercises that you can do uh, while you're sitting down and at your desk and stuff, uh, and some other ones that are there. All right, because it's Wednesday, we do an interview, and this is going to be a very, very short interview, uh, but it's with Paul Munson of... Son of an International. We did that, like I said, we did that webinar, that webcast today. Um, so interesting. Uh, I have done a review on another solar oven, and um, 
I have a sun oven. You know, I was I was sent one to to look at and to compare, and there's no comparison. I mean, there really isn't. Uh, the sun oven is um, very very uh, sturdy, built built very very well. Um, there are so many advantages to it. Uh, the glass, I mean, it's actual glass. The other oven uh, or the solar oven that I had. Uh, that I did a review on, uh, it's, I guess it's pla plastic. I mean, it's a hard plastic, but still, uh, it's plastic. Um, I can see where maybe the tight seal, and, and Paul talked about that, uh, you know, make, let, allows the sun oven to get a lot hotter and cook a lot faster. And uh, so, I mean, there were just so many things that we... Um, that we learn about the sun oven that you just don't you don't realize that it can do and a lot of tips and tricks and, and all kinds of things you know had had uh, someone uh, leave a message or actually email me afterwards and like hey I, uh, I have a sun oven already I'm glad I listened to this again because I learned some new things that I didn't know so if you got the link, if you registered and you got the link sent out to you to uh, attend and you weren't able to make it, don't worry because you can go back and use that link because the recorded version is up there. And so if you have the link, you can go check it out. And you know what? That's the case for most webinars. Um, you know, uh, I get I get webinars all the time, educational webinars, leadership webinars, and uh, you know, um, I'll look at my calendar. I'm like, I can't make that one. You know, that sucks or whatever. But uh, it, I'll sign up for it anyway, and then they send you the link of the recorded version so you can go watch it. So uh, if you if you did register for it, you got the recorded or you got you got the link, and so you can go check out the recorded version. Uh, but it's interesting. But um, Paul Paul answered a couple of questions here. Very very short, uh, but interesting. Paul is uh, the president of Sun Oven International. He's been uh, working with Sun Oven and uh, cooking with the Sun for like 19 years. Uh, he did not start Sun Oven. He purchased the company from uh, the original owner, but uh, he is the owner. He is the president. Uh, they do some really great things uh, out there. He talked about that on the webinar. So let's go ahead and uh, get into this interview. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your preparedness. Please include why you started prepping. My wife and I live on a small homestead in a rural area of Illinois. We have a large garden, a small orchard, and raised chickens and much of our own food. We have been prepping for 18 years. What are your main preparedness concerns? What are you prepping for? We originally started prepping due to concerns about Y2K and have continued as we have watched national and international events, both man-made and natural. Has your preparedness changed over the years and why? From 1998 until 2013, we lived in a townhouse in a suburb of Chicago. I was traveling around the U.S. teaching people how to use the sun to be better prepared, but it did not feel we were practicing what I was preaching. Even though we had a lot of food storage and emergency preparedness supplies, we had concerns that the urban area we lived in would not be the best place to be if things turned bad. We spent many months searching for the right location to move to and bought a 160-year-old farmhouse and a few acres in, farming com in a farming community 60 miles west of Chicago. Our nearest neighbor is a quarter mile away and we only have two neighbors within a mile of our home. Living in the middle of farm fields well off the beaten path has increased our sense of security and allowed us to become more self-sufficient. We still buy some freeze-dried foods, but much of our food storage is now homegrown. We dehydrate and ferment things we grow to increase our food storage. Uh, you know, it, he mentioned dehydrate, uh, dehydrating their, his own food. You can use the so sun oven to do that. I thought that was cool. He talks about how to do that. Tell us about your work with Sun Oven International. Sun Ovens International has a simple business model. We seek to help people in the U.S. save energy and prepare for emergencies while using a portion of our cash flow to promote sun oven cooking in deforested developing countries. We think, we think that it can be a real win-win if we can help people here save energy and be better prepared and they can help us with our international efforts. 2.4 billion people around the world still cook with wood, charcoal, and dung. 
The smoke from cooking fires subjects women and their children to levels of smoke that at times are often 100 times above the international safety standards. This results in three deaths a minute, totaling over 1.6 million deaths each year. Up to 80% of the smoke can be replaced with the sun, which can save thousands of lives each year. For the past 30 years, Sun Oven has been proudly made in the U.S. We believe in free enterprise and seek to take a private sector approach to helping solve problems, which are often left to governments and nonprofit organizations, by developing self-sustaining projects in third world nations. We strive to assist entrepreneurs to make and market global sun ovens in the countries in which they will be used. In addition, we assist in implementing projects to help orphanages to gain self-sufficiency through the sale of baked goods, sun bake, bakery goods sun-baked in villager sun ovens. All right, so like I said, a very short article. Um, I, I really do like that model. So that model way before like... Uh, you know, organizations like uh, Tom's. You know, you buy a pair of shoes and then you they give a they give a pair of shoes away, or uh, even the Waka Waka lights. I don't know if you've ever um, they've been around for a little while. They're they're a little expensive now, uh, but you buy a light and then they give a light. Uh, you know, like a solar uh, light away to um, you know these uh, impoverished nations. Uh, I love what he's talking about here and what they do. Uh, you know, someone asked the question during the webinar: uh, Do they accept donations? Uh, you know, to be able to support uh, these these efforts that he does. And he says, No, we don't accept donations because we're not a five zero. We're not a nonprofit. Uh, you know, we're a for profit, but we take some of you know the money that we that we make and we pour it into these other other countries. Uh, he showed the sun ovens, the the family sun ovens, like you know you can buy here. And then they have like a, a village sun oven. I mean, this sucker is huge, but it can it can cook a whole bunch. And so you you know you think about having to slave over uh, a fire, and then having to go find the wood every single day to be able to uh, build your fire every single day, and then dealing with the smoke and how a sun could save you. Uh, a sun oven could save you in in that regard, and you can cook anything in the sun oven. And so I, you know, I really appreciate what he does. You know, he had this saying that uh, they've been prepping for uh, 19 years, but he's been prepping for eternity even longer than that. Uh, and you know, coming from uh, uh, the Christian viewpoint and perspective, I really appreciate that as well. Uh, because uh, I'm right there with you, Paul, on that one. So thanks so much for the interview, Paul, and uh, for what you do in helping other people and not just you know, trying to be a, a greedy business and make all the money that you possibly can, but investing in other people and other nations and, and making a difference. So uh, you know, Sun Oven is a worthy, definitely a worthy cause uh, and, and a, a, a strong product. I mean, you're not just, you're not just buying junk. Um, you know, with Tom, if you've ever bought Tom's shoes or you know someone who's bought Tom's shoes, you're like, you paid that much for that, you know, and like, okay, so I guess, you know, the benefit is, you know, that, you know, some, uh, somebody in another nation got a pair of shoes, but with the sun oven, you're like, man, it's it is a quality piece of, of, uh, or a quality tool. It's going to last a very, very long time. Uh, and that was one of the things. I mean, he's been at it for 19 years and uh, still have not uh, had one uh, fail on him. So uh, awesome on that. So if you have the link, go check out that webinar. Uh, that'll be good. All right, our next article comes to us from survivalblog.com. Uh, you know, when we talk about forming your own group and not going it alone and the, that kind of stuff, you know, people have a lot of questions about that. And so this article is uh, is going to touch on it. It's not going to be the, you know, it's not going to give you the answers that you probably want. Um, it's going to get you started. Um, I think this is part one, so there might be some some uh, more information in part two. But I think the, the good thing is, is that there are people that are commenting uh, on this article. So you can go and kind of get a little bit of information, uh, get some maybe some ideas but let's go ahead and get into this one. Uh, again, survivalblog.com, and the, the title of the article is Planning for Success During and After the SHTF. Success requires a plan, and that is true if you want to have success during and after the SHTF. You can have a great deal of knowledge and ideas, but not have organized and applied any of this. 
Remember, only applied knowledge is power, and this is especially true of financial power. Success without an action plan is dumb luck in action. So, get your plan well documented. Your plan should be, must be, based on your specific reality. Reality as it exists today and never based on some pipe dream. You can't plan on your dream of locally finding a fully equipped FEMA storage point unguarded and complete with instructions, how-to videos, and weapons with tons of ammo that you know how to use and maintain. It just ain't going to happen that way, no how, not ever, and not for anybody anywhere. It just won't happen. I say it again, it will not happen. Your reality action plan uh, will be limited to those points and items that you have thought about, discussed with other peppers, and gotten ready for, and with all of these indivisible parts finalized in advance of necessity. You will absolutely have to never forget and always follow these three rules of continuing survival. Rule number one, my plan will never survive intact from its first contact with the enemy. Rule number two, the five P's rule is simple. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Rule number three, solitary individualism usually guarantees personal failure. Elaborating on rule number one, be sure to create a backup plan for when rule number one takes place and your initial plan fails. Have a retreat plan and your barter stuff for security plan. It is especially important that you also have your good or get out of dodge plan. Elaborating on rule number two. About our rule number two above, if it looks easy, it will not be good enough. Proper is a relative term. Get contrary opinions and constructive advice from your local peers. If you do not have local peers, find and recruit them and do it now. Elaborating on rule number three. Finally, on rule number three above, usually loners die painfully and quickly, and they die alone, feeling very sorry for themselves. There was no one to come to their unscheduled surprise personal pity party. A possible rule number four. Because of the loner issue in rule number three, maybe we do, not, we do need a rule number four so as to improve the post-SHTF future. Here is another suggestion. Form or join a group that trusts you, cares about you, and is capable of defending your six. Why is a group important? It is a historical fact that group and or extended family preparations surely improves these important areas by increasing the probability of success. Greater knowledge base, heightened security, diversification of experiences, help digging the necessary slit trenches. And in your particular situation, there will always be items of importance that are unique to your individual group needs and assets. The group member's personal input to the group plan will be a fabulous plus factor. Remember these two things about the formation of a group. When you fail to care for others, no one will care for you, believe it or not. And everyone has faults and relatives. These always, that's always everyone, even you and me. Okay, let's move ahead for some of the parts of a good plan. When we are working on plan updates, and periodic updates are very important, we need to have a specific keeper of the plan documents. This is a key position. When we were first working up our plan, I suggested that we use simple tools to guide us with the least confusion as to the meanings of our terms. We settled on the word SEAMS. To use, to use as our guideline, SEAMS stands for the following interest areas. S. Style or method. E. Extent limitations. E. Equipment or tools. M. Management versus leadership and S, staffing availability. Usually, I am the one to start the conversation with the words, it seems to me. Okay, let's get started on how to start your action plan for survival after the SHTF incident. Remember that every plan needs to be change changeable depending on changing conditions. A good starter plan example should contain and not be limited to these items, non-changeable portions can be color-coded to reflect that status. Financial. Documented assets, tools, and cash. Everyone needs lots of trust on this one. Possible different SHTF parameters and necessities. Group financing the acquisition of group equipment such as a shortwave radio, etc. 
group members' ability and disabilities. As an example, I need an indoor walker, a power scooter, and 24-7 oxygen. I have solar panels, a grid-tied solar wind turbine battery system to recharge equipment and tool batteries and to power both a portable and a stationary oxygen concentrator. The system also powers the computer and the shortwave radio, etc. My disabilities are not an excessive problem. It's just another part of our reality situation. View every disability as an opportunity for a necessary repetitive activity. Food. In the ground, the pantry, the closet, the freezer, raw, in the garage, under the beds, buried in a cache, and regardless of wherever it is, count it all and keep a list of where the food is located. There will never be a better time than now to acquire an ample supply of canning equipment and jars. Don't forget to get a supply of reusable lids. Practice canning in advance. Smile and eat your mistakes. An excellent, frugal, simple to perfect, easy to learn and teach food storage and usage is the Wendy DeWitt website. Yes, she is a Mormon and does not push her church in her website. Information about successful, easy food storage, usage, and rotation has no theology. The important question will always be, do we ever barter our food stock? Distribution management, rotate the responsibility, count it all regularly. Discern in advance calorie minimums concerning age, health, conditions, and workload. Food security is both necessary and continuous. Your food stores are a prime target for hungry thieves. Try to store your food stocks in a single location where there is nearly always someone right there to see anyone who tries to steal from you. Watch it and count it all regularly. If there is not enough food for charity, then you do not have enough. A few medium-sized baggies will hold enough rice and beans to feed needy folk while they are moving on to another location. And they must move on. They cannot be allowed to move in unless you need their skills or tools, and then you will need a total group yes vote on joining the group. Finally, your mom, granny, wife, and or hubby was right. Waste not, want not. Medical. Predetermine group members and other local medical persons who may be available to you as local medics. Do not exclude the area veterinarian who generally have a good stock of animal medications applicable to humans, plus a ready supply of dog and cat food bagged and ready to barter for. In hard times, that animal food will feed people and can be bartered easily. Consider making an effort to determine if you want the vet in your group. Remember that most former military medics still have skills and often equipment that your group will need. With sufficient skills and tools and meds on hand, they are quite useful. Your group just might have created a mini-hospital situation that is unavoidable. Color it wonderful and enjoy the benefits. Even the local golden horde crud will hesitate to attack your mini-hospital. Name your local ID station the mini-hospital. People will follow your example. Your entire location just might be classified as total neutral territory. Your group will need to recruit or train a qualified mid-level medic person. The group medic will be responsible for making sure that the group membership has all of the available inoculations up to date and securing ample supplies of individual needed medication. Your medic will be responsible for securing or copying DIY videos on various medical procedures, preventatives, tool usage, and teaching about personal and group hygiene. Your group medic will be responsible for maintaining a large supply of water purification tablets. I'm sorry, uh, purification materials. Medical situation supplies equipment. Security means a continuous and serious overwatch situation. Many medicinal items may need refrigeration. See zero pot refrigeration at some medical considerations by Old Bobbert, December 19, 2012, using survival block search. And yes, I was the author of that entry. It still works. Tomorrow in part two, we will continue with the components of a good plan. We look towards... We looked today at the areas of financial and food and began the medical section, but the topics for tomorrow continue with medical and move on to security, communication, and more. So, um, looking at this article, you know, it's it's starting about the plan and looking at your plan and coming from a group perspective. You know, the thing that really caught my eye is um, everybody is, you know, I think... 
a while back in preparedness, it was easy to find a lot of articles on that lone wolf survival. You know, and you'll still see some people post about that in forums and different things like that. Um, but I think a lot of people already realize, you know, that's not the way to go. So people know that they need to find, build communities. The problem is, is that it's finding people to um, to be in your in your group, in your community group, um, over at prepperchurch.com. And it's funny because I've I've had two, uh, you know, two people uh, email me just recently wanting me to add their name. But uh, you know, I I started out of my home uh, a couple of years ago now, uh, a small group, and this was before this was in, while I was in between churches, and kind of just put it out there. And we had people from the website, you know, come, and we started coming and meeting, and and uh, you know, had other people that I knew that were Christians, but uh, you know, that were very favorable to preparedness. Uh, uh, a lot of people in my church are very favorable to preparedness. My home church, when we had the home church, very favorable to preparedness. And I always thought that, uh, you know, forming a group uh, that all thought, you know, and believed the same spiritually, that that would be the way to go. And so on PrepperChurch.com, uh, if someone wanted to start uh, some kind of group, you know, I I, had, I left the uh, the ability to, you know, send me your email and your name and in your state and your city and all that kind of stuff and I'll I'll post it so anybody could go look at that and and contact someone if uh, uh either start one or contact someone if they you know lived in that city. I mean I'm shutting down Prepper Church uh, just because like I said before I'm cutting costs. I'll be, I'll be moving all those over all those articles over to edthatmatters.com because I wrote a lot of articles there when I was in between uh, churches on just spiritual preparedness that I, I, I'd still want to keep, and uh, just considering if I was going to keep that you know prepper group uh, thing going, and I think I might, uh, you know, because like I said, I, I think people still are looking for that opportunity. But um, you know, just l- last week we had a little meetup here, and uh, I use the podcast and the website, but you could go to meetup.com and set that up. I mean, my first. Uh, you know, look at preparedness, you know, through other people and meeting other preppers uh, was at a meetup group. And, uh, you know, so you can go and and like always, when you start putting it out there, uh, you know, you don't have to divulge a lot of information. It's just like you kind of get, you just, you just, you're, you're talking in generalities, you're talking in, you know, overall big picture type thing. And you're kind of feeling everybody out and seeing where you go. You're like, is this somebody I can trust? And you know what? Hey, let's get together again for coffee. Let's get together again for, you know, for lunch or whatever, you know, and, and kind of go from there, always meeting in neutral places until you feel a little bit more comfortable. And you can do that for a while. You know, there was somebody here in uh, in the comments at Survival Blog that was like, I, I have tried this. I have tri- actually let me re- let me read the comment. I live in a place where everyone in my church, small group, has their face in Facebook. They are oblivious to world problems. I have tried the local tea party in four different churches. I tried retirement in motorcycle groups. No one is on board, and a number of times, no one besides me has shown up to group meetings. Family is out of the question. Children live far away, and the closest sibling has a drinking problem. I live in a rural area with no nearby neighbors. Where do I go to find these peers? I am open to suggestion. I would, uh, uh, Marilyn, I wish you were close to me, man. Uh, come to my church. Uh, like I said, we have a lot of people that are very uh, look very favorably and open to preparedness, and you'll find that uh, in various places. Uh, just you know, kind of looking, uh, you have to have to look for it. Uh, but yeah, being in a rural area, you're going to be, um, you know, there you only have certain options, right? Uh, and it, it's going to take time. And uh, y- there's certain conversations that you can start having with people, uh, you know, different things like, hey, you know, what do you think about what's going on over there? And and uh, you know, maybe that's what someone needs to do. Someone can start conversation because someone can can uh, write down a bunch of conversation starters that lead to preparedness you know i always say that uh firearms and gardening are like gateway drugs to preparedness so uh if you can find gardeners uh you know you might you might uh you might find a prepper or you might find someone who uh would lean that way very very easily if you go into the firearms you know uh world uh same thing you know so 
that's that's the that's the rub is finding someone who you can uh, begin to you feel comfortable with that uh, you have the same kind of ideas and um, the same kind of thought processes and you can move forward. Uh, I always remember what um, Southern Pepper One did. You know, he he had those uh, conflicted a while back, uh, those conflicted cards, uh, you know, would, and you can still buy them. And actually, I think I'm an affiliate for them. I haven't sold, uh, I haven't posted in a while. But, um, you know, there were conversation starters about how you would deal with things. And so, uh, you know, he, he talked about that that helped uh, them to understand that there was somebody in their survival group that wasn't, you know, going to operate in the way that uh, they really wanted them to operate, that the way that the group was going to operate. And uh, so you always have that, uh, you know, maybe you could, that you could bring that into your uh, your little meetup group or your group that whatever whatever happens and uh, however that goes from there. But anyway, uh, a lot to think about, and I, I do think you can do it. If you can, if you can get your family on board, I think that's the easiest. Uh, you know, uh, that's that's the best uh, because you know you are family, and then you know going from there. I think church. I think that's a, a good place to start as well, uh, and uh, you know, trying to find people that are like-minded, uh, and you know, it 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 would be rough. It would be rough, but I think it can be done. Uh, Marilyn, keep looking if you're, uh, you know, if you listen to the podcast or if you if you are a person out there like Marilyn, just keep looking, uh, you know, and uh, maybe maybe you'll uh, ask the good Lord and the good Lord will help you there on that one. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast, uh, uh, to episode 108. If you get a chance, come over to uh, PrepperWebsitePodcast.com and leave me a message in one of the comments, uh, comment sections there. Always appreciate feedback, even if it's negative. I try to listen and pay attention, and you know, if it's something that I can work on or fix, I try to take that in, into consideration, uh, reflect on that. Uh, but I do appreciate you know the feedback there. Uh, you can also hit me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget about the Facebook group and also the email list. And that's uh, the email list has really been growing. Uh, really, you know, glad about that. That people find are finding it interesting. And uh, uh, you know, when you sign up for the email list, you you get a you automatically get enrolled in uh, the free e course. And and uh, you know, I people are are I think finding that very interesting. And so I really uh, appreciate that that they're uh, hanging in there with that one. All right, so. Uh, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.